Amen. From the book of John, chapter 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who's far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one glorious or gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Jesus, the word, became human and he made his home among us full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Merry Christmas and welcome. I'm so glad that you guys could be here this afternoon to worship with us. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Brian Legg. I'm part of our lead pastor team here at TBA, and I'm just really glad that you're here. I want to take a moment to worship you as we celebrate the birth of Christ together. Throughout this month, we've been walking in a series called The Love of God, and we've been looking at all the different ways that God's love changes our lives and the way that we live. Today, we come face to face with the arrival of God's love that literally changed the world as we know it. Jesus' birth is the one point in history where everything changed. In fact, time itself changed. For believers and even for non-believers alike, we know history based on the birth of Christ as our primary reference point. It is the ultimate divide that is there. Before Christ was born, the time period was known as BC, which stands for before Christ. We're f fairly familiar with this. We're taught this in school, right? And then after Jesus' birth, what does it transition to? We know it is AD, which stands for, a lot of people would say after death. Actually, it's a Latin term that means anno domini, and it's the year of our Lord. This is the point in history where all of time changes. Everything about all that we know changes right here. All of time leading up to the birth of Christ, BC, everything after described is AD. And whether you're looking at the world from a biblical perspective or just looking at it from a historical perspective, this night that we're celebrating tonight, this Christmas Eve, the night leading into those early morning hours where Jesus was born literally changed everything. It's the pivotal moment in history where God's love became tangible in the person of Jesus. Fully God, fully man. Born of a virgin so that he didn't inherit his earthly father's sin. Perfect and blameless, yet the author of Hebrews tells us that he was exactly like us in all ways except for sin. 
God showed his love practically and fully in the birth, in the life, in the death, and in the resurrection of his son, Jesus. Just a few moments ago, as you watched that video, you heard this beautiful reading of the Christmas story, as well as hearing the deep impact of that story as it has unfolded in those two individuals' lives. And I love the couple of the verses that they shared from Luke 2, where the angels show up and they tell the shepherds all about Jesus' birth. We find it in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Did you hear that? The angel told the shepherds that he was bringing good news. It's that same phrase that we use to describe the gospel. The story of grace that saves us from our sin and gives us right standing with God. Really what the angel's saying here is that God's love for all mankind just showed up on earth as a baby boy. Jesus, the ultimate picture of God's love, is here with us. That changed everything, literally. See, up to this point, the whole world was living with this BC mindset where walking with God meant following the law. It was all about the rules. It was all about what you could do, what you couldn't do, just so you were righteous enough to have right standing with God. In order to be in the presence of God, you had to go to God. He didn't come to you, you had to go to him. You had to go to the temple to be where God's presence dwelled. And even at that, you couldn't fully go into his presence, only the high priest could do that. To be worthy of even going to God, to be in the temple, you had to make sacrifices. You had to do these ceremonial washings to cleanse your body and your soul, to purify yourself so that you could go and be near his presence. And that's really worthy of noting the near his presence. Because you were never truly in God's presence, only near. Only one person, only the high priest could go into the holy of holies in the temple to be in God's presence. And even then, do you remember how that went? The high priest, after doing all the sacrifices, all the cleansing, all the ceremonial washings, preparing himself, making sure that he was pure and ready, what did they do? They tied a rope around his ankle because just in case, if he goes in and he wasn't quite pure enough, he might drop dead in God's presence and they'd have to pull him out of the holy of holies. So they tied a rope around him. That was what it was like to go to God in B.C. Before Christ, there was no human worthy of going into God's presence. And the concept of a personal relationship with God, the way we know it, it was foreign. But when Christ came, all of that changed. It's A.D., it's the year of our Lord, it's the pivot point in all of history. Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us. We no longer have to go to God, but now God has come to us to live in us, we no longer have to go to the temple to be near the presence of God, but now when we choose Christ, we are the temple. Our bodies are God's temple where he resides and lives within us. His presence is literally inside of us. We no longer have to make sacrifices or do ceremonial washings, but because of what Christ did on the cross just 33 years after that first Christmas, we are now cleansed and we have right standing with God Christ's sacrifice atoned for all of our sins. God looks at us and he sees the righteousness of Christ instead of the stains of our sin and our shame. And all of that, if we simply choose to follow Christ. See, this is the beginning of the culminating chapter of his love story that we've been telling all month. God's love became personal and tangible and real. 
in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His only son, God's only son, whom he sent into the world because he loved us. Think about the most popular scripture in all of the world. Whether you go to church or not, you've probably heard this one. John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Listen to that. This is how God loved us. He sent Jesus. But here's what I want you to hear today more than anything else. While God loved us enough to send his son to take our place for the punishment of our sin, that free gift means nothing unless we choose to embrace a relationship with Jesus. See, the Christmas story, Jesus coming to earth, that's our free gift of God's love to us. It's our ticket to heaven, some might say. But that's only if we choose him, only if we walk in relationship with Jesus. In fact, Jesus said it this way in John chapter 17, verse three, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who sent you to earth, who you sent to earth. See, the way to eternal life, the way to heaven is through knowing God. It's a picture of relationship, and I think love is best understood in the context of relationship. And this is really the sticking point of the gospel for me. See, we often say that coming to Christ is as simple as believing in him, and that is true, but it's so much more than that too. Because the type of belief that the Bible teaches that gives us right standing is a belief that's all in. It's a belief that has complete trust. It's a relational belief. We're staking our very life on it. Jesus says the way to eternal life is to know God, but that's not just a head knowledge that he's referring to. As he talks about knowing God, it's a relational understanding. In fact, it's interesting, the same word that's used when Jesus says that is the word that's used a lot of other places to talk about a very specific and intimate understanding of something or someone. In fact, it's the same word that's referred to as knowing your spouse in the biblical way. And I'll just leave that there and won't go any further with it. But if you have questions, come to me after and I'll explain it to you. There's kids in the room. Anyway, we need to be walking in a deep and an intimate relationship with Jesus. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him. It's relational. There's a passage in Matthew that drives this home really deep. Matthew chapter seven, verses 22 and 23. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. See, there are a lot of people who do a lot of good things, maybe even in the name of Jesus, but they don't know him. They're not walking in relationship with him. I kind of like to call this country music Christianity. Maybe you know what I'm talking about when you hear that. It's people that know who God is. They know a fair amount about God. They probably show up to church at least occasionally, sometimes maybe even often, but they have no concept or understanding of what it means to walk in relationship with Jesus. No idea. They don't know what it means to have their lives truly changed because of the fullness of God's love. See, I'm afraid there's a lot of people who might miss heaven by about 18 inches from here to here. Have you ever thought about it like that? They have a head knowledge of who God is, but they're lacking the heart understanding of what it means to walk in relationship with him. They haven't surrendered their heart Jesus came to earth over 2,000 years ago on that first Christmas to change that. He came so that our BC understanding of who God was was all about rules and religion and behavior. That could be changed to an AD experience of his love in real relationship. 
So today, if you're not already walking in relationship with Jesus like I'm describing, I want to invite you to that. But I'm not going to do what probably most churches are doing today. I'm not going to just lead you in a prayer and have you say it out loud and, and repeat it back to me and then sit in your seats and do nothing with it because I want you to understand the importance of walking in relationship. I'm going to challenge you instead that if you'd like to make that decision today, it's as simple as confessing your sin, praying, and inviting Jesus into your heart. But I want to challenge you to go back to the next steps and have a conversation. Tim and Joni are back there now. You can go anytime. In just a few moments, I'm going to be back there with them. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to give you some more information. But more importantly, we'd love to be able to follow up with you and help you start that journey. Because relationship is not just a few simple words you say. Relationship is a journey that you walk. When you get married, you don't get up and pledge your love to your spouse one time in a wedding ceremony and then walk away and never say it again or you won't stay married very long. It's a relationship that you walk out every day, day after day, pledging your love, recommitting, seeking forgiveness, asking forgiveness, all of those things. So I wanna challenge you, if you wanna make that decision today, go to Next Steps. The other thing that you can do if you're not comfortable going back there, I'll give you one easy out. You can text NEXT to TBA Connect. The number's there on the screen. It'll bring up our digital connection card for you. And on that, you can put information saying, I'm interested in knowing what it means to follow Christ. But I'm gonna tell you, we're gonna follow up with you. It's not completely hands-off. It's just an easy way to do it here today. But we wanna talk to you and help you start that journey. In just a moment, we're gonna receive communion. A band, you guys can come on up. And communion is designed to remind us of Jesus' love and his grace through his sacrifice on the cross. And it might seem a little strange that we do this on Christmas Eve when we're celebrating his birth instead of celebrating his death. But when you realize that even his birth was designed to point us towards his death and resurrection so that we could walk in relationship because of that love and grace, it makes sense. So when you came in today, you should have found elements on your seat. They look a little bit like this. If you want to go ahead and grab those, feel free. If you did not get elements as you came in, actually, I said you found them on your seat. They handed them to you at the door. But if you did not receive those as you came in, just raise your hand, and our ushers will come around and bring them to you. I'd like for everybody to be able to have that if you want to participate. And these elements are designed to remind us of Christ's sacrifice on the cross that paid the penalty for our sins. When Jesus was in the upper room with his followers right before he was betrayed and arrested and went to the cross, he shared in this first communion with them as a part of the Passover festival. And when he was doing that, he took some bread and he gave thanks to his heavenly father for it and then he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Now we're not giving you a full loaf of bread tonight to break that and take it as part of communion, but when you peel back the very top of the little cup that you brought, it's got a clear cellophane um, topper there and there's a wafer underneath there that is the bread that you'll receive in just a moment. And then in the same way, Jesus took the cup and after giving thanks for it, he said, this is my blood that is poured out for you. This is my sacrifice for you. This is what atones your sins. It's the shedding of blood like all the other sacrifices that have been made for thousands of years before that. Now he's made the ultimate sacrifice. And similarly, the juice that you will receive tonight represents that blood of Christ. So I'm gonna pray, and then as the band continues to lead us in worship, I wanna just encourage you to take a moment there at your seat to just reflect on God's amazing love for you. Maybe you need a few minutes before you receive communion just to spend some time in prayer and, and reflect on that. Maybe you're ready now, that's okay. I'll leave that to you to do at your timing. But take a moment throughout this song just to reflect on that, to spend some time in prayer, to receive the elements, and to remember 
God's amazing love for you that we are celebrating during this Christmas season. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that we have the ability to come and celebrate in this Christmas season. God, we are so thankful for your amazing gift of sending your son as a baby here to earth to come and to dwell among us, to be with us, to introduce us to a new relationship with you, a new way of understanding relationship with you. God, I'm so thankful that you chose to, chose to bridge the gap that we could never bridge. We could never be good enough. We could never make the right decisions to come to you and to be in right standing with you, but you sent your son to die in our place, to take the penalty that we deserved so that we can stand before you pure and clean and holy because we are covered by the blood of Christ. God, help us not to take that lightly as we take time this evening to reflect and to pray and to share in this special moment of communion. And as we continue to worship, God, I pray that you would be lifted up in our worship and in our praise as the perfect sacrifice for our sin and that you would be honored as we celebrate this Christmas Eve. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Angels we have heard on high Sweetly singing o'er the place And the mountains in